Always on a Sunday. It is always on a Sunday. With Den and Lowe. Indeed. So there's an interesting book I saw down at out at Amazon. I was going to say down at Amazon as if I was book shopping. Or taking a trip up a river. <laughs> yeah, the Amazon. Yeah, so this book is called A Year of Us, and it's a couple's journal. And you're supposed to, to answer one question a day for a full year. So it's 365 questions. And well, if it's a leap year. It was written by <laughs> Alicia Munoz. And uh, she's a counselor. And so this is to try to get people to talk about things that they might not necessarily talk about without being prompted. So I went through some of the questions and pre-screened them because, you know, I'm a control freak. So... So I just thought you I'd, are? I'd pull some of these questions out. <laughs> Here's one on day 133. If you and I produced a short film together, what kind of a film can you imagine us making? And what roles would each of us have in film production? And this is still PG, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's see. It would be a comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds good. And your role would be the director because you're always telling me what to do. <laughs> and I would be the main character because the director has to have somebody to boss around. No, because you, you'd be the main character because you're hilarious. Well, thank you. I mean, you just going through life just cracks me up. I just laugh most of the time because you're just so funny. And you always say funny things. So, yeah, I think I would agree. It would be a comedy. (laughs) Well, what was the last funny thing I said? Just now you said something funny. Oh, that was funny. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, my gosh. All right. So let's make another movie. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay, so let's see if there's another good one here. Um, if there's one question, this is day 136. If there was one question you could have answered through a dream or mystical experience, what would the question be? Hmm. That's deep. What would you? I mean, there's so many questions about the universe that I'm interested in, like, do humans because i have this for the time that earth is around that we're we're going to be like extinct at some point in time and so my question is are humans going to evolve into something else because we started out as something else before we became homo sapiens leave this earth as something else and go to another universe or planet or will we just completely die out? Where will our species just completely die out? That is one of my burning questions. Interesting. Well, I think my question is a little more personal. Maybe it's not a good thing, but <clears throat> I'm thinking if I was to have some <clears throat> question answered, some mystery, it would be how will I be remembered after my physical existence is over. Like when I'm dead and gone, how will I be remembered? And maybe another 
parallel question would be who would remember me? <laughs> well, see this, that's exactly right. Yeah. So, so the only people that are going to remember you and we, and I think I know this answer because we go through, we walk through cemeteries all the time. You and I will like pull off on the side of the road. There's a little country cemetery. Let's walk through there. I think you're only, and when we see graves that are back to the 1700s mm-hmm. and we see them around Michigan, especially even in Plymouth, when we go to that grave site, we can see the person's name and the year that they they died, but we don't know anything about them. So I don't think that's really remembering them. I think we're only remembered by the people who knew us. So when everybody who knows you no longer has their mind and can remember or is dead, that's when the memory of you is done. Mm. And I also don't think it really matters because you're, what they would remember is your personality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think our souls remember each other, you know, like I think our souls recognize each other. But I think in the afterlife, we don't have a care about that type of attachment. I think it's just about, you know, being in the face of God. I don't think it's about attachment of souls or knowing or not knowing or being remembered. I don't mm-hmm. think that has anything to do with anything. Well, it's it's a mystery since you asked the question. It's yeah. a mystery that I would ask. Um, you know, there's probably lots of questions I would ask, but that's one that comes to me. What would you think if somebody told you that the answer, if the divine creator told you that the answer to that question is that no one will remember you? I would, it, would be satisfied that that's the answer. Would it change anything that you do? No, because I got some advice a long time ago um, to live every day as if it's my last day mm-hmm. and to live every day as if I will have to live with the consequences of my choices today for a hundred years. Mm-hmm. Which means you have a responsibility to choose wisely. Not that we always do, but the idea is do what you would do if you knew this was your last day on earth, because you really don't know that you've got a tomorrow. And also try to make choices today while you're living your last day, as if you might have to live with the consequences of what you choose to do. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. All right. Well, we'll see. The kid next door is taking the garbage cans out, which I can hear rolling. But the good news and is, he's rolling down the sidewalk next to our house, which is yeah. fine because they don't have a sidewalk that goes down to the street like we do. Well, they do, but they park a car in it. <laughs> they choose not to use it for taking the garbage cans down to the curb. They choose to use our sidewalk, which is whatever. What it's are you okay. going to do, Denbo? Well, I mean, he's a cute kid. So what are you going to do? Yeah. Okay. Here's the here's a question from day two hundred and thirty. Our car breaks down at night in the wilderness and our cell phones die. Describe something new and fun for both of us that we might do to pass the time until morning and it can't be sleeping. I I would say we would start walking in the dark down the road we just left if we could remember how far it was and maybe we could walk back to where we saw civilization i know it's with the wilderness i'm saying hell to the no on that so uh, what are you going to do while i'm gone well <laughs> first of all i wouldn't let you leave well i would no 
I'm not going to sit in the wilderness all night. This is, this is just what would happen. This would be us. We would yeah. have this, this is what new and fun thing we would do. We would have an argument in the car about you leaving. I would be like, you're not leaving. I'm not leaving. We're not going anywhere. First of all, let's just cut to the chase. I wouldn't probably be in the wilderness. But if I was. Well, you might have to go through the wilderness to get some, to someplace cool that you want to go to. So you might have to go through the wilderness and have some mishap. I'm talking about real wilderness, like someplace that we don't know. Like I think if you're in Michigan, you think you're going to walk somewhere, whatever. But if we were up in the UP or out in, you know, at some wilderness park somewhere out west or we're in a different country in the wilderness... Like, what if we were flown into a place? Well, no, we couldn't have been flown in because we're in a car. Right. <laughs> yeah. Unless it's a really big plane. <laughs> I actually know somebody, and I don't know if they listen to our podcast or not. They might. But I know somebody um, that live out at Base Lake in near Pinckney, like Dexter area. And two or three winters ago, the approach to their community, or they live on the lake, was so icy that five or six cars just literally slipped off the road and they were able to slow down their car and not slip off the road, but they couldn't exit their vehicle because of the ice. They were coming home from a dinner in town and then going out to their place at the lake. They had to sit in the car all night long and you know, keep it going intermittently with the gas and keeping warm and turning it off until the light came. And then there was, and I think they had a situation where their cell phones died. Mm. And I also think that they had to wait till the next day until somebody called a tow truck because obviously other people were able to get information to their families. And But the tow truck couldn't do anything until the next day. So they were literally in their car for like eight or 10 hours overnight mm. and into the morning. Interesting. And they were just, they were within a mile of their place, but they couldn't get out of the if, car because of the ice. They couldn't go anywhere. So they, they, the ice froze their doors shut or no, were they just afraid they to walk were on, on the ice? They just, they were afraid to walk on the ice. I see. And I think she was wearing like fashion boots or whatever. And, hmm. you know, they didn't have like the winter boots in their car. Cause again, they just were going from, they had dinner and, you know, somewhere around here and then they were going out to their you know place and. They turned onto the road. It was one of those days where they're, you know, those country roads, you know how they are where the ice gets packed, it gets melted in the day with the sun. Yeah. And then at night it freezes over. But when they turned onto the street, it was just thick ice. And there was cars like in the ditch and people, you know, in their cars with lights running and all that. And then they wow. were stuck too. They didn't slide off the road, which they were grateful for, but they couldn't, you know, their car wouldn't go anymore and they couldn't get out of their car. Well, you didn't describe the scenario as being in the winter. If it was in the winter, I would probably make different choices than if it was in the summer. If we were in the wilderness. Yeah, yeah. I, I well, would. what if it was the summer? Yeah, I would still walk. Oh, my God. Because I can. But I, you don't know to, where we would end up. Well, if we're on a road in a car, you know that the road comes from someplace and goes to another place. So I'd start walking. And so it's dark. I'd be afraid of Sasquatch. Well, I'm not sure there's a Sasquatch except where that Bobo guy keeps saying, now there's <laughs> definitely Sasquatch here. Because <laughs> he hears Squatch. something knock. Yeah, yeah, he says, I could, there's definitely Squatch here. <laughs> said, I don't think you know how to pronounce it. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, Squatch is short for Sasquatch. Oh, my God, it's so funny. 
Okay, let's fast forward to day 365. And then we'll just say we read this book. Okay. <laughs> um, describe your most memorable experience of unconditional love. Well, what would be your Well, example? I mean, I feel like I've had a lot of them being a mom. Yeah. Um, but what's the most memorable? Um, I mean, the child's love for a parent and a parent's love for a child. And so anything that revolves around that to me is is memorable and there's so many experiences of when you're when you know when as a parent you you know you have to do parenting and sometimes you have to be strict but your child loves you and you love your child no matter what to me there's just a lot of expressions of that yeah throughout a lifetime so i'm gonna say just the love between a parent and a child well i will i i have a couple of thoughts one was my nephew who at a certain age and i mean this age when children are starting to recognize people and they're developing a personality and um my nephew and i were sort of playing hide and seek or peekaboo and i was behind the couch and he was on the couch with his grandpa and his mom my sister and he was looking over the corner and I was trying to hide from him. And he was laughing so hard, having a great time with Uncle D. And then, um, and that was quite a while ago because he's a young man now. And uh, fairly recently, like in the last two or three years, as we were at our other niece and nephew's house and their little one about Two, she would have been about two years yeah, old. Yeah, about two years two old. Three, two and a half, maybe. We yeah. were eating the traditional evening meal that we that they like to have, Panera with chicken noodle soup and bread. And I had been teaching her to eat butter. <laughs> and for a two-year-old, this kid could use a knife and get butter <laughs> out of those little packets and all over her bread and not much on her face and fingers. She was very skilled with utensils. But the part that was, to me, unrequited love is while we're eating, we're, you know, just having small talk, everybody at the table. She just looks across the table at me and she says, I love you, Uncle Dennis. And it was like, kaboom, <laughs> I've hit a new peak with this little one. That's <laughs> unconditional love yeah. for sure. Yeah. Because yeah. unrequited love means that it's not returned. And I know that you return love to Oh, her. yeah. Yeah, but uncon pure unconditional love, which was just did out I of the say book. unrequited? Yeah. Oh yeah. my mistake. But you know what was cute? Because we were there. Aunt Debbie was there. I mean, we were all sitting around the table, and it was just the cutest thing because she just like made this pronouncement just right across the table while we we're eating dinner, just yeah. right at you. Yeah. You know, and it was just so adorable. Yeah. Well, she is an adorable little one. Yeah, but she's so you know open at that age and just saying you know, and that she's very demonstrative too with her feelings of love and affection for yeah, people. She so she is. Is. Yeah, yeah she still is yeah she still adorable. Is. she's five now so there's i you know that was something i was thinking about like with with my joe is when i used to say like when the kids are five you know that summer that they're five it's the summer of love because they know so many things and they're still in that such a loving stage of their life and yeah and it's just wonderful well just i didn't miracle. have that with you know, you, you, your son, Joe, and uh, he was 
a little bit older than that when I met him. And when I met my daughter and her mother, and, um, you know, she was seven, I adopted her at 11. And so, you know, I kind of miss that with little ones, except for nieces and nephews. And so it's really a treat. Mm-hmm. It really is a treat when you can have that kind of a bond with kids and, you know, you love them and they love you. And it's just simple. It is. It's wonderful. Peace, love, and harmony. Peace, love, and happiness, and unconditional love with the babies. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to take a little break, Denbo, and then we're going to uh, have another segment. Oh, okay. Okay. Denbo, what were you going to tell me? What were you doing? You were watching what? I think it was Thursday night. I was watching my new favorite show to binge watch. American Pickers, season 15. Oh, my God. I can't believe that wacky show's been on for 15 seasons. Well, I was really surprised because what they're showing is season 15 is like seven or eight years old. So... Do you think they do I like two, they do two seasons yeah, a year? Yeah, two, two seasons a year is what I'm thinking. Oh, okay. What is it that you... So tell me what happened on American Pickers. Well, the thing that was... I mean, these guys are always picking junk. You know, stuff yeah. that other people are not all that interested in. And sometimes they buy it from people who buy the junk from somebody else. Or they go find it and bring it home and store it somewhere. But they found this guy named Dennis from Indiana who had a collection of a lot of cool stuff. Stuff that I would buy. Stuff that I would love to have. He had a 66 Bronco Model U13. Very rare. Only 5,000 of them ever made. Soft top, no doors. It was kind of a beach car, if you will. Yeah. But it was in absolutely mint condition. It didn't have a mark on it. And so this guy ended up selling it to Mike. But one of the other things that Mike was looking at was all of the Ford stuff. Ford parts, Ford signs. And uh, his partner, Frank, said, look at all this stuff with the Ford logo on it. He says, if it's got the word Ford on it, collectors will buy that. And so they were looking at what they could pick up and what they could uh, make money off of. Obviously, they buy this stuff and resell it. But the thing that made me feel old, really old, is there was an antique auto-diagnostic center with all these dials, all these analog dials. And I learned in high school how to use one of those (laughs) to analyze your car. To diagnose whatever the heck's wrong. Oh my God, that's so funny. So, you know. Although I don't think they've, I mean, they probably have changed over the years, but even now when you go into the service bay, and you see the diagnostic machine. It's like a computer, but it's got all these things that hook up. They you know, everything now. Plug the it vehicles, in under the dash right. or under the hood. They plug this thing in. It's not like several wires. It's yeah. one connector. Right. And uh, interestingly, the Cadillac dealer 10 years ago in Lansing had a thing that you drive over and it would diagnose your car just by driving over it. Yeah. So. Well, now they've got connected vehicles and so many parts under the 
vehicle or under the hood. Yeah, they send a message to some... There, there's all these sensors that are built in now, so yeah. you don't even need... You know, the diagnostics now are, quote, quote unquote, over the air. Yeah. Ford gets a so. message that says, it's time for an oil change, Dennis. <laughs> yeah, or they can say that there's something... You know, there's just sensors all over the vehicle. It's yeah. just unbelievable. You yeah. know, so when they say that these guys who fix cars at the dealerships or even in the independent repair shops, when they say that they're truly technicians, they really are. Because yeah. they're not the, you know, like my dad was a mechanic. I mean, I, I used to laugh at my dad, you know, uh, because he went to carburetor school. And sometimes, you know, when something would happen or something more updated or modern would happen or something, I would say, well, just remember, Dad, you went to carburetor school. Meaning that, you know, even in the time I was teasing him, there was no carburetors. But it's just the idea that things change in life. Well, there are still carburetors on cars that have them. And those cars are getting fewer. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, we're not talking about modern-day cars. No, we're talking they have about fuel injection. Cars. And, yeah, exactly. Um, and oh, it, my God. This just makes me want to get the Mustang out. And the weather's getting warm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like... It's time. It's know, almost April. I know. Well, no, I'm thinking May 1st because April showers is going to get all the salt off the road. And then I can get the car out. I'm thinking no sooner than May 1st, but... That's good thinking. Yeah, but I'm anxious to get, you know, I am I guess I'm one of those rare people, maybe in today's time, that likes to drive. I don't think that's rare. You don't? You don't no, you think these young I kids... because I love to drive. I know, but these young kids, what is it about these young kids? They don't want to get their driver's licenses. Well, that's some. That's some. I don't some think kids you can don't say want that. to get driver's licenses. That's some. I, I think... mean, I've known, I've got nieces and that are in you know going to be 30 that are, are just over 30 not to name any names but they weren't terribly interested in getting their driver's licenses at 16 well that's their situation yeah everybody's different but i'm just saying everybody's different but i mean i was excited about driving as a 16 year old and you know i got a ticket in the within the first six months of getting my driver's license I got another ticket when I was 18, you know, so I, you know. It was freedom. It was freedom, but I yeah. mean, I made mistakes, let's just yeah. say. Like, the first ticket I ever didn't. got, I'll tell you what the first ticket was I got when I was 16 years old. I was driving in Lansing out on West Saginaw Highway toward Kreitz Road. You know where that Sheraton is out there? Yes, it used to be a Sheraton. Okay, well, I, you know, out. and it had like a boulevard to turn in with an island with trees. I turned in the first one, which would have been the outbound Instead of turning into the inbound lane. And there oh. was a cop in there. Okay. And so, of course, when I realized what happened, I pulled into the parking lot. He pulled up behind me. And can you believe he gave me a ticket? I'm a 16-year-old driver. Yes. For going up the... In, in a hotel driveway. Going up the outbound lane. I mean, it's it's so dumb. It's like private property. It's it's just so dumb that I, I can't believe that guy gave me a ticket. Well, maybe he wanted to, because you were cute, he wanted to get a closer look. I don't think so, Denbo. I don't think I was that cute. Well. I'm cuter now. <laughs> well, it's because you don't have any clothes on. <laughs> no, I'm fully freaking clothed. I even have underwear on today. Look at this. But wait, I'm Look, wearing... look, 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 look. You need to look. I actually wore underpants today, which but you know what? It makes I no never difference. Because I'm... Clark Kent and I really have x-ray vision. <laughs> You're making me laugh. <laughs> it's either that or those x-ray specs on the back of the uh, boys' magazines. Oh, yeah. That's funny. As if those ever worked. 
Yeah. <laughs> Think of all the shystery things that were sold on the back of Boys Life magazine. I mean, all magazines. I still, but which the, is weird. Like, I get, <laughs> for some reason, one of your niece's kids was selling magazine subscriptions a few years ago. Yeah. Through their school. And so I signed up for it, you know, and I ordered a couple magazines, and one of them is Martha Stewart Living, which, you know, I like it only for the recipes because they come out like in card, in recipe card size, they are perforated. And that's really the only reason to get that magazine. But then what else is good is when you flip to the last two pages, there's it's just like the old fashioned days, all the advertisements for all oh. the different things, wine basket clubs and, you know, different things, vacations and just the, so it's kind of like a classified at the last two pages. And I just love that part of the magazine and and not all magazines have that in there anymore but that's just something i enjoy reading and it's like really tiny print so you got to kind of squint even with your yeah, bifocals on yeah. to read it and and look at everything so well there's an equivalent section that used to be in the back of um what were called men's magazines it was a magazine like true was the name of it it always had these detective stories that were kind of racy. If you were an immature man or a really immature boy, these would be kind of exciting because it was forbidden fruit that you knew nothing about. And the, and the <laughs> what was the forbidden fruit? Uh, girls. <laughs> but the the uh, thing that was always a big question for me was they had, in the back of these magazines, they had ads for male enhancement. And I didn't know for sure what that meant. I thought, did that make you, like, more of a man? Or did it make certain body parts more manly? Or did it make it bigger? Did it, make, or did it put more hair on you? Did, or? Well, this is another story entirely. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, I I have a story from my past about certain young men who shared a bedroom and <laughs> your brothers. Well, I'm trying to protect their identity. Okay, I won't say anything. Well, you already told the story. No, I'm not saying a word. I just just take back what I said. Okay, so certain young men who were not really. Men, they were still kind of boys. They were related to you. They these uh, reported juveniles <laughs> were sleeping together in one bed, and these two somewhat older juveniles were sleeping in another bed. With one of them, you in in uh, just let me tell the story <laughs> in the same bedroom, and uh, the older ones got to go to bed later because they were older. But when it was time for Dad to go to bed. We had to go. Oh, oh I spilled the beans. You did. You spilled the, the beans. The older boys had to. You're too honest. Go to bed. You're too honest. And for whatever reason, the dad in this situation <laughs> would wake up the younger boys to go to the bathroom one more time as a prevention for bedwetting. And this particular evening, instead of hollering for them to get up, he walked over to the bed, grabbed the top edge of the blanket, and jerked it off. 
and they were both quite naked. Uh, one proceeded to reach under the bed and grab his underwear. The other one did the same thing and professed, who stole my underwear? <laughs> Which was totally hilarious, but it gets better. So as they put on their underwear and headed off to the bathroom to relieve themselves before going back to bed, Dad, the dad, looked at the oldest and the second oldest and said, did you tell them that they'd grow hair down there if they went to bed naked? <laughs> and it's been told that laughter erupted oh and answered God. the dad's question. And it's also reported that he just shook his head and <laughs> flipped the light off when the younger ones came back into the bedroom. That's so funny. Well, this is the legend. Well, I guess you don't need the male enhancement pills or cocktail or whatever. Maybe it was a salve or whatever. I don't know what it was in the back of the boys' magazine. <laughs> All I, you got to do is sleep yeah. naked. So uh, the that's interesting to think about a salve. I never thought about that as a male enhancement. I suppose well, I don't know. Whatever a was, liberal application of it would be. I don't know. Something topical is what I in, was thinking. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. There's, well, I mean, there's also a somewhat more mature young man that I happen to know who, being a newlywed, was uh, quite excited about spending the night with his wife and his new bride. And uh, in the process of making sure that everything was well lubricated, <laughs> went under the bathroom sink to put on some. KY jelly. Oh my God, I can't believe we're having this conversation and, right now. Uh, <laughs> I'm grabbed, grabbed a tube and squirted. A tube of lube. A tube and squirted some on his uh, member, his male member, and started to slide it around, but he didn't make it into the bedroom with that because it was not KY, but it was Ben Gay. <laughs> Like hell. It, it must have burned. Talk about taking the edge off. Oh my god. That's so funny. Well. I know of a similar story with a, a former beau that thought that possibly putting hot sauce on might be stimulating and it ended up just being painful. burning. Very painful burning. I'm sure. So yeah, you know, some of these are these are some interesting ideas that, that men have. I think more yeah. evidence of 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 interesting concepts. Well, tested, es practical theories tested. Especially the concept that I don't remember. It was well past my twenties into my thirties before I heard the concept that certainly rang true the first time I heard it about what a shame it is that men have. Only enough blood flow for one brain to operate at a time. That's assuming they've got two brains. Presuming so, yes. Yeah, I don't think they do, but whatever. Well. Well, okay. So this is a very interesting topic. We went from American Pickers to Male Enhancement. Hey, it's a guy thing. <laughs> Apparently <laughs> so. Oh my gosh, you're so funny, Dunbo. You know what one of my favorite movies is? The Sound of Music.
Yes. <laughs> How did I know? I just love that movie. Well, first of all, it's up in the Alps. Of course, it's Austria, and I'm Austrian, so I love that part of it. But I just love Julie Andrews, and I loved the oldest daughter and her relationship. Liesel? Yeah, and her relationship with the boy, the soldier. The little Nazi sucker. Yeah, <laughs> He was a punk, but how strong she was to just like, you know, not, you know, to end their relationship basically. Cause yeah. she was like, you're wrong and you're out of here. So yeah. I always remember that. <laughs> and I like that song that you were just singing. The hills are alive with the sound of music. <laughs> I think we're both singing different songs. <laughs> that part in the song i know i'm you know what i love is when they're at the festival and they're getting ready to escape over to switzerland yeah and so they do that song you know of eater saying goodbye yes and that all the kids do their part and they say goodbye or whatever. Yes. but that little girl the little oh, teeny gretel yes oh my god is she not adorable yeah and she doesn't want to say goodbye and her mother's like okay come on but yeah. no i just love that i love that whole movie it's so cute. Yeah, I remember seeing that at the theater, and I was in so entranced with it that when I went for a hike on the hills out behind our house in West Branch, that I could imagine, because it was springtime, and I could imagine, you know, how wonderful that would be if the hills were a lot bigger than they were around West Branch. And we had some pretty big ones there. We lived at the bottom of a big one, and so it... It really struck home with me. I thought the boys with their leather pants were a little weird. Joe has leather pants, later hosen from. I know. And you know, there's every village has a different insignia on the little border, yeah, crossed here. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's like it's huge part of the culture to wear your later hosen and stuff. So I think it's cool. I remember that reminds me a story in 1998 when we went to uh, visit. my dad's family in the Tyrolean Alps, the Southern Tyrolean Alps called Sid Tyrol. One of the things I wanted to do was get Joe the traditional lederhosen from the village there, which is where the family was from. So I was real proud of myself. I went down the hill into the town and I went to a store and I picked out a beautiful pair, red with white trim and it had a white Edelweiss insignia. And I brought it back and I showed it to my dad and my dad's cousin, who was the owner of the inn. And my father's face was mortified. And so was the innkeeper. They both were like, (gasps) and she was the innkeeper, you know, it was a husband and wife, but it was the wife. And she was like, oh, you know, and so my, and so they said something to each other in German. Of course, I didn't know what they were saying. My dad goes, that's for a girl. That that's the girl's later hosen. You, he goes. I'm going with you. And we're going to go down and get the boys later. Uh-huh. And so then we came back with the one that's the olive. And then of course there's two deer on it and an Edelweiss in the okay. middle. But there's there's like deer with antlers or whatever. It's different for boys. It's different. It's that uh-huh. kind of that grayish suede, and then it's got a green trim. So it was well, different I've, for boys. But I've oh, seen a my picture god. of Joseph wearing. Them. Oh my god, he is so cute. He was 18 months old. Just adorable. I, I have those. That's a keep.
keepsake. Nope. So hopefully when my son has a child, boy or girl, we're going to put him in the later hose and I don't care. Just if it's a girl, just don't tell her it's for boys. Yeah, exactly. Don't go to don't go to the Alps. <laughs> just let's keep this in the US. Don't go to the Tyrolean Alps, exactly. So Nobody funny. will know the difference. Oh my gosh, Lois. honey. <laughs> well, darling, I think we can wrap up for this week and we'll talk again soon. Okay. I love you. I love you, Lois. Okay. Kisses. Good night. Good night. Oh, yes. You're ticklish. Oh, yes. You're ticklish. All Not right. like you are. You got more. <laughs>